Uh, okay, y'all, we are uh, continuing this series, our Lenten series. Who do you say that I am? Uh, you remember this is, is based off of a, a scripture from the Gospels where Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they, they answer him. They say, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're a prophet. And Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? So we're in this series, and over the course of Lent, we've been looking at some of the many things that Jesus is for us. Our rock, and our healer, and our provider. And tonight we're going to be talking about Jesus as our sustainer. But before we read our scripture for today, uh, I want to set it up. Because I think it needs some context for us to fully appreciate uh, what's going on. Uh, We're going to be in Isaiah tonight. And the book of Isaiah is generally divided by scholars into two parts. And you, so you have Isaiah 1, which is chapters 1 through 39, and that's where uh, Isaiah the prophet is speaking to the Israelites, and he warns them of an impending exile. He tells them that they're going to have to leave their home, but that this exile won't last forever, that eventually they'll be restored and they'll get to go home. And then there's the second part of the book. This is sometimes called Isaiah 2. Uh, this is chapters 40 through 66, and, and these chapters are written much later, over 150 years after Isaiah's death. And so at this point, the Israelites are actually in the midst of the exile, the Babylonian exile. They've been forced to leave their home in Palestine. They find themselves scattered, and, and they just want to go home. And here's the thing, things are, are seeming to get even worse for them. Because they've heard about this new empire, the Persian Empire. And it's run by this guy, Cyrus the Great. And they're on the rise. And so the Israelites are worried because they've had to deal up to this point with the Babylonians, persecuting them, exiling them from their home. And now there's this new foreign power that they don't know much about. And they're scared. And so they start to question God. They wonder if their God is as strong as the gods that the Babylonians and Persians worship. They wonder if God is with them. They wonder if God cares about them at all. In chapter 40, just before our verse for tonight, they begin to accuse God. They say, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. In the beginning of the second part of Isaiah, the Israelites are literally putting God on trial. That's how Isaiah 2, the beginning of it, is structured. It's them accusing him of abandoning them, of not sustaining them in their exile or helping them to get home. And so as, as this book goes on, as these chapters go on, God begins to respond to these accusations. And that brings us to our scripture for today. This is Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. This is what God says to his people. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Okay, this is a simple verse. But it contains a powerful promise from God. God says to the Israelites, I know you're scared. But you don't need to be. I've been with you. I'm still with you. I'm still helping you, still still sustaining you. 
And this is a reminder that, that he continues to give to the Israelites over and over throughout the, the rest of the book of Isaiah. In chapter 46, he says, even to your old age and gray hair, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Over and over in these chapters, God promises to sustain his people, to be present with them. And you know what? He keeps that promise. Because that Persian empire that they were so afraid of, that ruler, Cyrus the Great, that they were so worried about, he's the one who ends their exile. In 538 BC, after the Persians defeat the Babylonians once and for all, Cyrus puts out a decree that all of the Israelites may return to Palestine. He lets them go home. They can finally go home. Look, I know I'm, I'm starting us off with a lot of history today, but I love this story. I think that it is incredibly powerful. And I also think that it's extremely relevant because all of us have been the Israelites. We've all had moments when we find ourselves afraid Maybe we start putting God on trial. We wonder if he is present with us, if he'll support us and sustain us in whatever it is we're going through. We've all been there. Maybe you are there right now. God will sustain us. He promises that in our scripture. We know that. So I'm not going to spend 20 minutes preaching that sermon because our scripture tells us that immediately. See, the question... uh, for us today isn't whether or not God will sustain us because we know that he will. We see in scripture that he will. The question I want us to wrestle with today is how do we actually tap into that sustenance? The question I want us to ask is more about us. How do we go about experiencing that when we feel far from home? How do we fight back in those moments when we're afraid like the Israelites were, when we begin to accuse God and question? What are some things we can actually do? Because you know what? We've all had moments of exile. Moments when when, when fear gets the best of us. And frankly, unfortunately, we're all going to continue to have those moments. When we wonder if we'll make it home, if God is with us. But I think the good news for us tonight is that there are several ways for us to tap in to to God's sustaining, enduring power in those moments. Things we can actually easily do anytime. And the first way that we do that is to look back. You know, it's almost hard to believe that the Israelites would be so afraid, that they would question God the way that they do. Because if they simply looked back, they would see that God had sustained them and helped them countless times over the centuries. Time and time again, he freed them from slavery. He parted the Red Sea so they could escape Pharaoh. He fed them manna in the wilderness for decades. He led them to the promised land. Over and over, the story of the Old Testament is God sustaining and being present with his people. And yet here they are once again, wondering if he even cares about them at all. It's hard for us to believe, but at the same time, it's us. We do this too. We, we make the same mistake. That's why we need to take time during this season of Lent to stop, 
and to look back. Looking back can be a powerful spiritual practice for us. Because in looking back, we often see that when we were in the thick of it, in the wilderness, in the exile, in the hard moments, God was doing something. We look back and we see that God was not only sustaining us, but often he was growing us. You know, when we, when we came back fully in person as a church after COVID, uh, one of my new responsibilities was relaunching this service, our Saturday night service. It had been gone for over a year, and, and so in February of 2021, we relaunched. And honestly, at first, I was a ball of nerves every week. I was so uptight every Saturday night. I was so intense about every little detail of that service. I wanted everything to go perfectly because I was, I was so afraid of something going wrong. Well, on May 1st, 2021, my fear was realized. We had something, uh, we had someone uh, subbing in on our tech team that night. It was none of our amazing tech team back there, but we had someone subbing in and he didn't know our, as John would say, Trigatrons, uh, our technology and and so he was cranking these smoke machines. Honestly, I have PTSD from these. Uh, he was cranking these smoke machines as high as they would possibly go in the foundry. And, and like 10 minutes of this service, I know many of you were here and remember this, 10 minutes in, the fire alarm starts going off. Oh my God. And the emergency lights are flashing and the alarm is sounding. And, and there was this faintly British voice that was repeating over and over, attention please evacuate the building immediately. There has been an emergency over and over. And this was one of my first 10 Saturday nights. I mean, just right there in the beginning. And just so y'all can get the full effect, I pulled a clip from the service. So let's laugh and enjoy watching me in full panic. Uh, enjoy watching me squirm. Let's watch. Hey, y'all. Uh, so, the fire department is here. Again, no fire. Uh, but this will be on for another three or four minutes. So, luckily, uh, what we were talking about tonight is forgiveness. There, I mean, there's no way to make that up, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to open this sermon by saying forgive us. Uh, luckily, we are United Methodists, and we love grace. And that whole grace hopefully goes both ways. So we will, we will take your grace tonight. We are continuing a series that we started a few weeks ago called Unashamed. Over the course of this series, we've been talking about um, what is one of the most pervasive enemies in all of our lives. And it's not fire alarms. I don't know how many fire alarm jokes I'm going to make, but y'all better get used to them. Because how I deal with crisis is with humor. So, uh, <laughs> One of the biggest things in any of our lives that we struggle with is shame. And, and so over the course of this series, we've been talking about that. And so week one, we talked about the reality of guilt and shame in our lives. We talked about how all of us are guilty of something. Oh, please, Lord. I'm scared it's going to come back. Okay, we're in this uh, unashamed series. We've been talking about, oh. Oh. 
Oh, Lord. Week one, we talked about guilt and shame. We talked about how so often we let the things in our lives that we do bad, we let our I did bad become I am bad. Um, so I told everybody that it would be on for like another three or four minutes. That was not true. Uh, it went for the entire sermon. Another 20 minutes. And, and honestly, that video does not do it justice at all. Uh, people who were here, it was blaring. I mean, it was, I can't believe people sat in here, truly. Uh, and you can see just how, how dejected I am at the end of that. Just so defeated. Uh, you know, I left that night and I went home and I felt so discouraged. Uh, but I look back on it now and it's two years later and I see it much differently. I don't look back on that anymore and see defeat. Uh, I do see all the mistakes I made and, and all the times I tripped over my own tongue, but I don't see defeat. I look back now and I see that God was at work. I see now that God didn't abandon me in that moment. And I see that God used that disastrous service to actually kind of calm me down a little bit. Because after that service, I stopped being so intense. I stopped worrying about every little detail or something going wrong because you know what? It already had. And so many people, so many of you came up to me after that service and you were so encouraging and kind and supportive and it helped me connect with people that I hadn't connected with yet. And, and it also allowed me to see that people weren't just waiting for me to mess up. That they were rooting for me. That they cared for this church. See, God took this wild service, and, and though he didn't cause it, I believe he used it. He found a way to use it for good, and I didn't see it then. But looking back now, I see that not only was he sustaining me, not only was he present, but he was growing me. He was taking me to the next place. And you know what, the same thing was true for the Israelites. They were so afraid of the Persians, so worried that, that God couldn't or wouldn't restore them. And yet, it was because of the Persian Empire, it was because of Cyrus the Great, that they were able to go home. It's because of him. God took something that they thought was a disaster and he used it to do something amazing. And that's the power of looking back. I'm sure all of us can look back on a season of our life when we were struggling and now with the advantage of hindsight, we can see that God was absolutely at work in it. That he was growing us or at very least, we can look back and see that God was, was with us in it that he never abandoned us, that he was there sustaining us. Church, when we're afraid, when we begin to worry and accuse and question, we should take a second and stop and look back. Look back on all the things that God has already done. First, we should look back. And second, we should cut back. This is the second way that I, that I think we can really experience God's sustaining power. We cut back. And here's what I mean by that. If we really want to know what it is uh, to have Jesus sustain us, we have to stop trying to sustain ourselves. Stop trying to sustain ourselves with all of the things that this world offers us. 
If we want to experience the sustainer, we have to put ourselves in a place where we need sustaining. This is a big part of the season of Lent. This is why we give up, uh, we give stuff up. This is why we fast during Lent. Because when we cut back on things in our lives that get in between us and God, we're able to really see all of the worldly things that we are trying to sustain ourselves with. And we see that they're not enough. And we see this in scripture too. Take the story of the woman at the well from the Gospel of John, for example. We, we meet this woman who's, who's had all of these relationships. She's, she's been married five times. She's had five husbands and she's with yet another man who she's not married to. And one day she's, she's drawing water and Jesus approaches her and he offers this thing called living water. And at first she doesn't understand. But then she gets it. She's been trying to quench her thirst with all of these relationships, but they will never be enough. Nothing this world offers is truly enough. It cannot satisfy her, it cannot sustain her, but this man, this living water, he can. Jesus can sustain us, he can satiate us. What he offers is lasting. And you know what, her story is our story. Because we do exactly as she did. We try and sustain ourselves with all kinds of things. With relationships, with substances, with technology, with our status, with our money. But none of it lasts. None of it satiates, none of it satisfies. It cannot sustain us because it is not living water. But he is, and he can. And that's why during this season we cut back. Because when we do, when we fast from all of the junk that we're trying to satisfy ourselves with, we suddenly see how little we really need. We suddenly see who the real sustainer is. We look back and we cut back and lastly, we give back. See, if if we want to experience the sustainer, we better follow his lead. Because in sustaining others, I think we find sustenance ourselves. And when we do it right, I've seen that it can create this beautiful cycle of support and giving back and and sustaining our neighbor and and it it goes on and on and on. I experienced this when my daughter was born. I told y'all about this before, but when when Sadie was born, she had pretty severe jaundice the first week of her life. And so uh, I had to spend a, a, we had to spend a couple of days and a night in the neonatal intensive care unit in the NICU. And, and while she was there, she was put under all these crazy lights and she's totally fine now. It's a pretty common thing, but, uh, but for two new parents who had already been in the hospital for like five days, we were scared and we were tired and we were overwhelmed and we just wanted to go home. We felt like we were in exile. We wanted to go home. Well, the night that I stayed with her in the NICU. I was, I was curled up in this chair in the room with my baby and, and the nurse came in at one point and she gave me this little bag and it was a, it was a care package. Uh, there was like some snacks and lotion and personal hygiene stuff, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and at first I thought this was a, a care package given by the hospital. But as I dug through this, this bag, I, I found a note. And I wanna share that note. This is, this is what I got that day. This is what it says. It says, Dear NICU Mama, You are strong even if you don't feel it, and your body is a warrior, and that warrior baby needs you. 
So celebrate every ounce and every breath because your baby is a mighty fighter just like you. This is Luciano. He was born at 28 and a half weeks about a year ago and we spent 81 days here at the NICU. A sweet mama left us a note just like this one and it really lifted our spirits. So we wanted to carry on the tradition. Love the Andersons. Um, someone else down the line had sustained this family, this mom, while her baby was in the NICU for 81 days, which I cannot even imagine. And so she wanted to give back, to help sustain the next person who found themselves in a hard spot, in a proverbial exile, just wanting to go home. And that night, it was us. This stranger helped sustain my wife and I. And she inspired me, probably too much, because I ended up taking like 300 God is Big Enough bracelets to the NICU after that, and they were kind of overwhelmed. <laughs> they were like, we don't need this many, but, um, but the point is, the Andersons lived out the greatest commandment. You remember the greatest commandment in the Gospels. A teacher of the law comes up to Jesus and he's, he's kind of exasperated. He's like, just make it simple for me. Boil it down, what do I need to do? What are my marching orders? And Jesus actually answers him, which he rarely does in scripture. But he says, okay, love God and love neighbor. And so that's what we do. We love God by looking back and remembering all that he's done for us. We, we love God by, by recognizing all the times he has sustained us when we were in the wilderness, when we were in exile, when the fire alarm was going off and we were panicking, trying to make bad jokes about it. And we love God by cutting things out of our lives that, that, that we're trying to sustain ourselves with, by cutting away the things that separate us from the sustainer. We love God by choosing to drink living water instead. And then we love our neighbor. We tap into the sustainer by sustaining those around us, by passing on the sustenance that we've received and finding ways to love and support and be present with those who are hurting. Loving God and loving neighbor, that's what sustains us. That's what keeps us going in the hard moments of life. It's not all of the junk that we try and fill up ourselves up on. It's not the distractions or the accolades or achievements. It's one man who told us to love like he does. He is living water. He is the true sustainer in this life. You know, last week uh, we baptized Sadie and, and as I watched this first step of her journey with the Lord, I prayed. Uh, I prayed that she would know God and that he would do exactly what he promises in our scripture, that he would sustain her. That in the moments that she struggles like the Israelites, in the moments when she begins to feel alone, when she feels like she's in exile and the fire alarm is blaring and everything seems to be going wrong, I pray that she will look back and cut back and give back. I pray that she will know that the sustainer is with her always that he is walking beside her and he is saying, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I will be your sustainer.
Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, there are those of us in this room tonight who are feeling great. We recognize where you've, what you've done and, and we're, we're crushing at this lint and we're cutting things out and we're giving back and, and we feel sustained. And God, there are others of us who, who are in this room tonight and we feel like we are running on empty. And we're worried. And we're afraid that it's just us, that we're alone, that, that God doesn't know what we're going through, that you don't know what we're going through. Lord, tonight remind us that you still speak those words from our scripture that you still promise to sustain us, to strengthen us, to help us. That you are saying, do not be afraid, I am with you. Do not fear, I'm your God. So Lord, if there, if there are those of us who are struggling with it, help us to just repeat this scripture over and over until we believe it, until we feel it. Help us to know that you are and you will do everything that you said you are that you said you'll do. Lord, we love you and we want to serve you and we want to remember your goodness and we want to cut out things that separate us from you and we want to give back and love our neighbor and help those who are hurting. So guide us. Show us the way. We pray all of this in the name of our rock, our redeemer, and our sustainer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.